0: Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zelitsky. Hello, I'm Katherine.
1: And I'm Gail. We are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined and are delighted to welcome you to today's episode. Each week, we showcase vital women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who continue to shatter the myth that we become invisible as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest focuses on several themes that we've
0: agreed upon in advance. And today, we're delighted to welcome Emily Axelrod, who lives in the Chicago area. Emily is 77 years old and she leads an incredibly rich and varied life. For the past 30 years, she and her husband Dick have consulted with diverse organizations about large scale transformative change using a model they created. They have co authored three books. A longtime supporter of women's rights, Emily coaches women in the workplace as well as individuals about life changes. Emily lives in a multi-generational household with her husband of 52 years, daughter and two teenage grandsons. Emily enlivens her passion for nature travel with photography, with a special interest in birds. She likes connecting with a local photographer, Galapagos Islands, Panama Canal, the Amazon, to name just a few places, which she says helps me see things differently. Emily's volunteer work includes providing support for immigrant families, and a current project is taking photos of Holocaust survivors and writing their stories. So we'll talk with Emily today about her work as a consultant and coach, about women in the workplace, about multi-generational living, travel and photography, and if we have time, her volunteer work. So welcome, Emily. We're so pleased to have this opportunity to talk with you. Thank you. So let's start by having you tell us about your um, your consulting and coaching, especially the large-scale transformative change, which seems like quite a, an ambitious undertaking. Can you describe that for us a bit?
2: Yeah, we believe um, <clears throat> here at the Axel Ride Group that the more people you can get involved, the more voices that you can get involved around change, then the more that the change will take place. Um, <laughs> We did change work back in the 70s, and it would take two years to plan it with maybe a small group of 12 people, and then you had to go and sell it to the rest of the organization. So that was when we began to learn that if you want to do it faster, you've got to involve more people. So now what we do is we uh, conduct large meetings and have people come about with their own ideas about what the change might be. Uh, We invite, and most of them, customers come in and talk about what they see and what they need from the organization. And um, at this point in time, we got it, usually you have to have, you have to have a vision. Where do you want to go? What kind of transformation do you want to make? So there, we have a, a conference around visioning, and then, well, what's, what are we now? And then the next conference is, okay, how do we get to what we want to be, given what we are, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense to you.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense.
2: Usually have um, around uh, 100 people in an organization, and then what they do is between conferences, they go out, we have a group called the Walkthrough Communications Team. And they go out, if people can't come to the conference, they explain what went on, uh, have them do maybe one of the activities and then give suggestions and ideas. And then that comes back into the next conference. Uh So that we try to touch as much of the organization as possible.
0: That's wonderful. You and Dick have created the method that you're using. I was just wondering, when did that actually become part of your repertoire?
2: Um, in the nine, early 90s, uh, we were one of the pioneers in large-scale change, and there were a group of people who were really working on that. We even used to have conferences about all the different methodologies that were going on at that mm-hmm. point in time. Um, so that was when we really began that kind of work, and it, there was a lot of that going on at that time.
0: That must have been really exciting times to have all those people coming together with these really uh, innovative ideas. Um, um, can you talk a bit then about, I know that you've been an a, uh, advocate of women's rights in different arenas. And when we talked recently, you, you noted that you were coaching, especially interested in coaching women in the workplace. And I'm curious about what, um, what are some of the, the issues that women face now, and has, have those issues changed over time?
2: I would say those issues have made, stayed the same. No. Um, <laughs> from the time we've, I, I've first been in this, it, it's the, and I would say that maybe men are sharing a little, little bit more of it, the issue of having children and taking care of your children and giving the, your all to your work. Mm -hmm. And as you know, uh, most of it still really falls on women to run the household, watch the kids and do the work. Uh, More of it is shared a bit more nowadays, but not equally in many, in most families, at least that's what the research tells us. So that's the one of the struggles I think that you find uh, could, it's still with us. Um, So, but... A lot of the a lot of what we do, particularly when we do these large scale changes you people have an opportunity to bring more of their whole self into their work, and you'll discuss, the people will be discovered, and there have been a lot of women who've gotten promotions and stepped up from getting themselves involved in this kind of work because their multiple talents begin to show, mm-hmm. which is really an exciting thing for me. And so we, and I particularly try to coach them and help them share their talents uh, through a lot of this transformation work.
0: That's interesting because it's not long ago, those were the domestic skills, which you weren't supposed to talk about in the workplace. What are some of the, the skills areas of their lives into the workplace?
2: I think one of the things that I see is people, women are able to get people together and network in a way that's different uh, than men. Uh, A lot of them are the, what you kind of the key nodes in organizations. They know who to go to for what. Uh, The other simple kind of things that we've discovered is that it's not just women, but there's a lot of women is that they have things like they were head of their school newspaper or some talent that has not much to do with their work. And when this starts and they have to, they volunteer for something, one of these talents like <clears throat> becoming more of a communicator uh, shows up also. And a lot of them have then you know, moved up the line in corporations. We, we, mo- we mostly work with larger corporations um, sometimes not for profits, and we've done this before. But a lot of it is not is corporations, and so finding a way to be seen and appreciated is, uh, I think, one of the things that some of these transformational efforts offer women, maybe more so than men, because women aren't always on the golf course or, you know, in the different spots and places. So, um, and a lot of things, the other skill that I see with women is their ability to organize things and get them done quickly.
1: So I'm curious, Emily, this is work that's near and dear to me. How, what are some of the things, if you don't mind sharing, what are some of the things that you might tell a woman or help her see to, to, um, to help her move forward in the organization?
2: I'm just thinking about, um, one is speaking up. Uh, one of the things I think women have difficulty with is speaking up, uh, particularly in a group with men. Uh, one of my friends uh, is involved with uh, the program, the MBA program at Northwestern. And one of the things that she says is that when they have their orientation, they have a really good speaker. and she looked around and there were all these hands up, but the hands were the hands of the males. So it's still difficult for women to speak up, I think in a lot of situations. So coaching them around how they can speak up, how they can ask a question, uh, and not feel, uh, conspicuous or not. I mean, you've got to, you got to, you've got to say what you think in a way that is, uh, I call it diplomatic. Um, and so that you can be heard and make your observations or ask your questions. so uh, we take whatever the situation is, and, you know, each situation is different, but helping them find their voice is one of the ways that we do that. And for some people that could be in speaking or some people that could be in writing um, is one of the ways that we help women. Uh, helping them do that so that they can be seen. Uh, if they need talking about them and looking at specific skills, and if they need certain skills in order to make that next jump up, helping them to identify that and looking for a way in which they can acquire those within the system, um, are just some of the ideas that come to me right off my head. That's great. And yeah, I can see where that would make a huge difference.
0: I'm curious about your term, using the term diplomatic, is that something that is uh, especially necessary for women to be heard?
2: I'm probably saying that for myself, to be honest, Kathy. I'm <laughs> such a, a straight shooter. <laughs> uh, just to put it in a, I, I, I use that word because it has to be put in a way in which it can be heard. Mm-hmm. And so really paying attention to know how is the woman's voice going to be heard? um women can say something and some man down the you know right around the table can say the same thing and men hear it differently
0: yep yeah they, that's true
2: yes so okay so how do i say that so that i'm going to be heard because sometimes my stuff gets repeated
0: yeah yeah i think
2: my experience that continues
0: still goes on Yeah,
2: exactly it does continue and you know sometimes i stamp my feet and whatever but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's really uh, just learning how to do it in a manner and also it depends on who your boss is and all of the dynamics in the particular organization that you
0: yeah. can imagine you can have a whole conference just on that alone that topic alone
2: oh yeah i think they probably do i haven't mm-hmm. been to one lately but um, certainly they used to
0: I'm so interested also, Emily, in your, your personal life in terms of especially living in this, your multi-generational household, your husband been married for 52 years and you sh- um, share your home with your daughter and two teenage grandsons. What's that like? It's a busy place. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we have two
2: teenagers going to school, uh, remotely, mm-hmm. uh, as as we talk. Dick and I both have offices in our house and we're both working in our offices or or together. And our daughter has uh recently lost her job. So she's kind of taken over doing a lot of the household things. She of course they won't let us go shop they don't want us to go out. <laughs> so,
0: mm-hmm. You're in that vulnerable group. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're in the yes, vulnerable group. Gail and I are too
2: yeah. So yeah. she has uh, taking over the shopping and the cooking and the organizing of the home activities, and it, it's that that part is a really big help mm-hmm. uh, for both of us. And um, we, it, it's fun. It's really fun. Um, the difficult part of it is maintaining boundaries. We're still grandparents, not parents, and of mm-hmm. course sometimes we overstep our boundaries. Mm. Uh, <laughs> So that part is a part that that's not always fun, but uh the boys uh pitch in uh we've our cleaning people aren't coming now, so we on Sunday mornings we all get together and we all have jobs and clean the house
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um the yard uh one one prefers outdoor activities more than the other, and so you know they kind of. Shift and fuss and fight about that one, but um, so so far it's it's been pretty good. We've been doing this now; they've been living with us ten years. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, what are you learn? What are you learning from being this close to teenagers? Do you have any particular insights or things that you notice about being a, a teen during this time? Not just the pandemic, but just during this particular era
2: we're in this era they're always on a device mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's one of the things I've noticed um, their lives are also uh, very scheduled um, you know they go to school they're involved in some activity they come home they do their work they go to sleep they get up and they repeat um, it's a uh, very different from my life growing up when I think back about the way I grew up. We had a lot more, a less scheduled life, I guess is the way I would put it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, yeah. yeah, um, That's one of the things. um, They're, they're studying things that I studied in college Mm -hmm. in terms of the, you know, the scholastic kind of thing, a lot, a lot of it, and things that they're reading, they're reading Kafka and things like that in English. We certainly didn't do that when I was in high school. No. no. Um, so, you know, that's very different. It, The, the social life is different. Um, very much more um, groupy or mm-hmm. either singularly on video games with somebody that I don't know who. Uh-huh. So it's very different in terms of since they have their own communi- you know, their own phones. It used to be at uh, when I grew up and this is and even when my daughter grew up, you know, if somebody called, they call the house. And if I picked up the phone, I would know who they were. I would have met them or I'd know their parents or something. Mm-hmm. Now these kids can communicate with people all around the world. True. And that's very different and also something you got to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, definitely. Have you uh, traveled? Have you have your grandsons traveled with you? You've been around pretty much around the world at this point.
2: Uh, we took them both to Israel after they had their bar mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. Um, we took them each individually because they're different kids. Um, and we stopped in Europe for a bit with that. Uh, we just last year... And the so yeah it was last no two two whatever when our 50th wedding anniversary was we did a big cruise with the family mm. and so we went down to we did the Mexico um South American kind of thing so mm. they've done that that's not really being in the country exactly but you get a mm-hmm. taste of it mm-hmm. so they've done that um that's that's the kind of traveling that we've done with them. Their dad is taking them he he does the nature bit. So he takes them camping and hiking and all of that kind of thing. So that's really good because we don't don't really camp outside very much anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, they're so blessed to have those kinds of opportunities with you and, and vice versa, I'm sure. Uh, I know that travel is a, is a real love of yours and your husband, and I think especially nature travel, and that connects with your love of photography. So can you tell us a bit more about that? You're right on. We do love that.
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, our last trip was down uh, through the Panama Canal and up the uh, western coast of Costa Rica, and it was terrific. We We really like going with National Geographic, but we also enjoy... When we uh, work in foreign countries, uh, making sure that we take time to travel in the countries. Um, so, when we're in Turkey, for example, um, we took time. You know, we took a week off and and went to places. Um, certainly visiting Ephesus and things like that, which we we enjoyed, and little islands and uh, that you might run into some different animals or hope to uh, like that. But the nature stuff, is. you're you're right, we we both enjoy that. So it is something we do. I mean, we were just in Arizona. Luckily, we got that one in before the virus hit Mm -hmm. and um, spent time taking pictures there. That's just a beautiful place and found out about the wild horses right outside of Phoenix. Um, I had absolutely no idea that There were wild horses there, but um, a friend of mine told me about them. They're right, really right outside of Mesa in the Salt River. And so we we happened to be, we were lucky and found them. Oh, really? Got to spend a couple of hours watching the horses and following them and uh, taking pictures. So we we love to come across things like that, that aren't on the big tourist list.
0: I didn't realize that your work was global. So your, your consulting work has taken you to different parts of the world as well? It has. We've been
2: very lucky about that. We've worked in Europe. We've worked in Australia. We've worked in Turkey, Singapore, uh, different places. Oh,
0: I want to be you. Oh, my <laughs> goodness.
2: <laughs> we did a
0: lot of that traveling when we were
2: a bit younger. <laughs>
0: Has that uh, slowed down some the international travel? For, yeah, for... that that has slowed down a bit. We're
2: we're at the point where um, the kind of work that we're doing are the is a kind of work where I think we'll, uh, the travel will be in the states, and um, you know something that is manageable a bit more manageable. We got we used to do things like. Um, you know, fly to some place and hop on the plane that night and come back home. Now we won't. We'll spend the night. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, with energy. you know, because you, you, I, I have to admit this, I, you know, the energy is not quite what it used to be. But we, yeah. So we go in, we go in for the day before and stay the night and come back, if that's what it takes. <laughs>
1: I'm very interested in hearing about the uh, current project you're doing around the Holocaust survivors.
2: Um, this is with our friend Jerry Kay. He used to run Olin Sang Ruby Union Institute. I know
1: who that is, yes.
2: And um, so we, we're very good friends with the Ks, and Jerry wanted to do this when he retired. So uh, Dick and I volunteered to do it with him. And uh, we were taking photography lessons at the Chicago Photography School, and uh, Jerry went and took some lessons. And then also one of the instructors down there uh, joined us in this project. And so we have begun the project, but uh, of course right now things have slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just uh, just completed back in February, taking pictures of a group of survivors uh, over at the Holocaust Museum in Skokie. Yes. And um, getting their stories as, you know, uh, as best we could at that point in time. And what we want to do with them is have uh, shows. There is, we're talking right now with the Milwaukee JCC, but they're very interested. They want to do it, but Of course, COVID has come along and slowed that project down. Um, So, what we're doing is just taking pictures and writing the stories because we want these people to be remembered.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a terrific project.
2: There's one going on now over in Israel, the same kind of project, and they're uh, in Israel and in Europe. So, I think because we know that these people are aging out of our population, we people are really aware that we got to hear this and remember.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, this the uh, Skokie Holocaust Museum has the holograms, and that's a, a different way of of capturing stories.
2: Yes, and, and and that's a wonderful way of capturing the stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Emily, what else are you doing? Or looking uh, ahead? What do you have on the on your horizon? Oh, just
2: taking. I, well, I'll tell you. I just spent. What was it? Two weekends ago, I just spent a whole hour taking pictures of a heron, mm-hmm. standing on a log. In the pool, I, I'm looking forward to uh, travel and photography and perhaps being able to do a bit more of that. Um, I'm also president of the our, the, the book publisher, Barrett Kohler Authors uh, Organization. We have a, uh, we call it a co-op, where basically started of almost 20 years ago where the authors would get together on retreats from the uh, publishing company out in San Francisco, and uh, this was supported by um, Steve Persanti, who is a president, and he's always wanted to have the author voice in his publishing company, and this has continued uh, for about 20 years, so we get together and we provide marketing workshops for our authors, and we have retreats and get together and just talk with each other about what, You're doing how, you know, what what ideas do you have now? What are you working on? And we're bringing in new authors, of course, and learning what they're writing about. And uh, mostly business publishing, not all, but mostly things that have to do with business. Some of it is more, um, well, one friend writes on resilience. And so she does Mm -hmm. speeches around that, um, things like that. So... I'm going to be finishing that up this year, which will free me up to do some other things that I'm really looking forward to. And I think probably I'll get more into photography and really trying to get my pictures out there.
0: So, um, you know, we we have this wonderful Facebook group for women over the 70. So if you have any photographs that you would like to uh, have us post on Facebook, we'd be delighted to do that.
2: You know, I will get that done this weekend. I had a little trouble with my external drive last weekend and didn't get to that. I spent a lot of time reorganizing. So <laughs> I will. I'll send you some pictures. I'd be happy to do that.
0: That would be wonderful. I think we would probably time that for when your, when your episode is released, and then we can uh, promote you and the photographs at the same time. So that that would be very generous of you. Thank you. Is there anything else? Okay, so you mentioned that you have your energy level is not quite what it used to be. Probably going to uh, do more in the States travel than international. Sure will,
2: but we're exploring the world. We, you know, know, at this point in time, it's really hard to say. I mean, we don't quite know what's gonna happen in the next couple of years. I would love to, I, I, we haven't done as much in South America as I would like to do. So I would love to be able to get down to South America. But, um, you know, that's, that's on my, my list. And uh, get, get through some of those beautiful places down there and, and learn a lot more about the, the origins. But we've been back and forth to Europe a lot. We've worked a lot in England and Europe and, and Turkey um that part of the by that part of the world which of course that part of the world is right now kind of in a mess too so
0: so emily do you do you think about aging and if how how do you think about it for yourself
2: well you know Catherine, i didn't think i was old um Mm -hmm until they told me that I couldn't do these things because I was in a certain category. Mm-hmm. I don't really think of myself as old, but I do think of myself as having to <clears throat> take care of myself a lot more than I used to mm-hmm. in terms of my physical health and making sure I eat right and get my exercise in and, um, you know, do all those good things. It, it's kind of like keeping up the machine, taking it in,
0: mm-hmm,
2: gas, mm-hmm. and checkups and things like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that <The> part machine, <laughs> you gotta keep the system
0: going. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah you are a systems it. thinker. Yes.
2: <laughs> so, um, I think about it that way. And, and with the teenagers in the house, and their ability to do the technology so much better (laughs) than I do, I realize that I am definitely of a different generation. Uh Uh, So there are things that in my life come up that remind me that I am not uh, 35 like I inside Mm -hmm. of me sometimes I think I am. And uh, so um, uh, I am, am trying to gracefully accept that and uh, continue to move on with my energy among in, you know, the interest that I have and continue to work on those.
0: Well, you have such nurturing um, and um, inspiring interest that I, I can just see you enjoy continuing to enjoy life to the fullest. <laughs> um, That's my intention.
2: <laughs> as, long, so, as long as I can dance, I'll dance.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think I saw you dancing at Susan's 80th birthday party. Was that right? Just just a little, yes, <laughs> um, Do you have anything else you would like to leave us with, Emily? Any... I would just say uh, for all of us
2: folks over the age of 70 to, to continue living and enjoying your life and contributing to the world. Um, that's, that's what I think many people continue to do and uh,
0: and let's um just get out the vote oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> wonderful note to 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 close on emily thank you so much for for being with us today we're we're really delighted to have this conversation with you well it was a
2: pleasure and thank you for inviting me a, a real pleasure and listeners we
1: want to hear from you please share your thoughts in our facebook group at women over 70 aging reimagined Become an active participant in our community and join us at our Zoom events. Access our weekly Wednesday podcasts. If you know a vital woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please do recommend her to us at womenover70.com. See you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined.
0: Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at WomenOver70.com.